This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The murder of George Floyd sparked worldwide protests against systemic racism and police brutality. And amidst the unrest, there's a new rallying cry, defund the police. Well, now some police are crying foul, complaining they are all being tarred with the same brush. Take a listen to Mark O'Meara. He's the president of the New York State Association of Police Brotherhood Associations. Everybody's trying to shame us into being embarrassed about our profession. Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. Okay, Uh, that is quite the clip. Uh, We'd like to know what you think. Have the police taken too much heat over what happened in Minneapolis, or as many protesters say, uh, shows uh, a big problem systemically. The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now let's bring in Mike McCormick, president of the Toronto Police Association. Hi, Mike. Hey, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. So what do you think about what Mike O'Meara had to say? Does he have a point there? Yeah, I, I believe there's a point when, uh, you know, uh, we, we've said this for a long time here in Toronto, um, that, you know, trial by media, social media, people jumping to conclusions, and where we've seen a profession that has been vilified, um, it, it is concerning and it is difficult for you know, our officers and civilians, you know, to be dealing with that rhetoric uh, all the time. Um, You know, I think it's quite, I don't think, I know it's very different up here than it is down in the States. Um, But this has been a tone in policing for quite some time around the vilification of the job. And you know what? Uh, We do a great job each and every day in the city of Toronto, uh, in policing in general. Uh, And it's hard, you know, when, when, you know, the, the narrative around is, you know, don't be prejudiced, don't, you know, uh, uh, biases and all these other things. But, you know, when, with police officers, um, we, because of the profession, often get lumped and just say, oh, well, you know, because the actions of so few, uh, it's a condemnation on the whole job, which is really unfair. What do you say to people? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but uh, a young black man is many, many times more likely to be stopped while doing something that's uh, not, uh, you know, terrible. There's the, the old saw about DWB driving while black uh, and and all these other, um, you know, injustices that they suffer. Do you deny that those are happening? Um, well, it's not that I do. That, does it happen? Of course, it happens at uh, at certain times and certain places. People, uh, we're, we're, you know, I can't say that police officers, every single police officer, does not have a, a you know bias or you know their own preset uh, thoughts or, or, or determinations about people. That's just not the world we live in. But what happens, Libby, is that this is the society we live in. This is not about policing. This is about 
education. This is about health care. This is about policing. It's about everything. We just seem to be the catalyst because of the, the, the job we do. But to say, you know, to make that judgment and say, okay, because, uh, you know, we reflect society, we do a really good job of combating that, of uh, educating our officers, of training our officers and civilians around uh, apprehension of bias and so on, um, that, you know, that's what we, where we got to work. But to say that, oh, no, it just doesn't happen, that's, that's just not true. I think the challenge for us is to mitigate the risk of that happening, educate people, and to break down those barriers. Okay, let me give the numbers out again. I'd like to know, do people think that police in general have taken too much heat because of that terrible, terrible murder that we all witnessed in Minneapolis because of what's going on in the United States? Are we vilifying the police or are we calling them to account as we should be? The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744-740. I'm talking to Mike McCormick, who's the president of the Toronto Police Association. And there has been now a motion before Toronto Council that we are going to get to, to defund the police, to cut the police budget by 10%. And when you talk to activists who are proposing this, their argument is that uh, the police are just doing too many things now, including dealing with people with mental health issues. Do you agree with that? Um, so here's the thing, is that we have been embedded in a conversation for quite some time. And, it, you know, this is where I think this, when I look at the counselor's motion, it's nothing more than sensationalism. It's a, uh, taking advantage, of, again, of a very emotional time. Um, we and any of the, the city councillors who are educated in, in policing and understand what we've been doing, and we've been doing this for many years, um, we looked at, for instance, in Toronto, we're, we're, we have 600 fewer police officers than we had 10 years ago. We have a new shift model that we're piloting to make sure we have the right amount of police officers deployed at the right areas at the right times so that we have these efficiencies that we can measure with a metrics of evidence and data. We also have been civilianizing a ton of positions, and we have been looking at the type of radio calls that we're doing and changing that, and that's allowing us to adjust the model of policing. Every police dollar that we get, we have to justify. So let, that's the premise of what we're doing. So when you, I hear, okay, we're going to do a 10% cut, if that's a great concept. Okay, where are you going to cut? What is it you do not want? What do these counselors not want the police to be doing anymore? Tell us. Give me a list of the calls, what you don't want us to be doing. And that's where it's very frustrating because it's not an educated, evidence-based, data-driven narrative or debate. It's a bunch of counselors who are pandering to social media and just saying, okay, let's now defund the police. Libby, as a business person and coming from a business family, you got you understand that you know, everything's around the measurements, the metrics, and the evidence. What are we talking about? And that's why it's very frustrating. I don't have a problem about engaging in the conversation, but don't just use it to politicize an issue. Let's hear what you really, well, the, where you can find that 10%. The, the biggest area, the most controversial area, and, and the instances mm. where there have been lots of problems are dealing with people with mental health issues. Right. And, and the argument is also that police aren't necessarily trained to do that and things and 
badly. And so what I hear talk about is, is perhaps defund that and, and have other groups designated to deal with those types of emergencies. Okay. So let, let's, let's talk about that. So here, here's an idea. Let's just, let's just float this idea. Why don't we have a police officer that is partnered with somebody from another agency, uh, let's say like a somebody in the healthcare business who is an expert on mental health, train that police officer as well. So you have a civilian who's uh, in- involved in that uh, from the healthcare industry who is an expert in dealing with people who are in mental health crisis, and you have a police officer who's de- uh, trained in dealing with people in mental health crisis. Because what happens is when people are in crisis, there are all kinds of circumstances around it where there is violence, where there are weapons. So you can't just say, okay, we're going to have this one person. So let's float this concept. We have a person who is trained, a police officer that's trained, and they would respond to the people who are in crisis and when they have a mental health issue. So I think that would be a great concept. And the reason I think that's a great concept and it's proven to work is that we have exactly that, a mobile crisis intervention team that goes out and handles that. And that's because of our experiences and looking at what what you're talking about, how we're responding to that. And that's a great example of how we work hand in hand. It's not one or the other. Because you send somebody, somebody's in a crisis and they're having a, a breakdown or a mental health crisis, and there's violence involved, how are you as a civilian or a layperson going to deal with that aspect? That aspect needs to be dealt with as well. And that's why this concept works so well. Well, uh, it certainly didn't work. We had that very uh, recent incident of a, a young woman ending up dead on the floor. We have no idea what happened. But There you go. But you have no idea. So, so based on that alone, until we know exactly what happened, do we know if uh, there was any call about somebody in a mental health crisis? Or are you going to assume that every single call we do is about somebody in a mental health crisis? So I think it's really unfair to, to single that one out until we have, let's talk about that once the SIU finally release our, you know, uh, that investigation. And then we can have a meaningful conversation. But to assume that this person is uh, was in a mental health crisis, and that's what the call was, is wrong, and it's improper because you're filling in information that we, you know, you don't have. So let's wait and talk about the realities of that, and not a subjective uh, argument. Now, since uh, we saw all this, the mayor has said he wants to accelerate uh, body cameras. The prime minister wants <laughs> body cameras. Is that a solution? You know what? I think that's a solution after the fact. It's not a a, a magic. Because what we looked at, Libby, when we looked at jurisdictions that had uh, body worn cameras and piloted them and stuff like that, even in ours, it didn't necessarily have a correlation between a reduction in use of force or a reduction in um, um, complaints. But what we found from a policing perspective is that. For instance, in the Toronto pilot, we had 23 complaints, and those 23 complaints were um, dismissed because of what was captured on body-worn cameras. So I think that helps with the narrative after the fact and presenting one more uh, viewpoint video, which is a great uh, viewpoint, or those digital images, which are a great viewpoint to understand what we do. So it's beneficial that way. And of course, uh, to make it work, uh, officers, I guess, have to, I mean, they have to turn it on and keep it on. 
Yes. Well, again, um, the, um, uh, the the stuff there that we're doing uh, is, uh, you know, make, make sure that the policies when we're responding and we have all that in play. Uh, and again, you know, what's really interesting is that these people who are saying, oh, well, we, we need to do uh, we need to, you know, defund the police. But in the meantime, here's a very cost uh, uh, heavy project that we have to do. Right. Yep. So, you know, what are we talking about? But, you know, uh, defund the police, but fund body worn cameras. I, I think there has to be a commitment to to make sure we're properly funded so we can do the job. And if the social programs that they want to put forward stand on their merit, we should be as a city funding those programs because we can't do it alone in policing. OK, anything else you want to leave us with? No, I think that's it. I took up enough oxygen for today, I'm sure. Okay, Mike McCormick, <laughs> president of the Toronto Police Association. Thanks so much. Thank you. Mike McCormick, president of the Toronto Police Association. He does not think that defunding the police is a very good idea. It is gaining traction here in Toronto as well. There is a motion before City Council that was put forward by councillors Kristen Wongtam and Josh Matlow. And Josh Matlow joins me now. Before we get to Josh, let me give the numbers out again. What do you think? Should we or should we not? And do you think that cops are getting too much of a bad rap because of everything that is happening? The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744 740. And now let's go to Josh Matlow. Hello. How are you? Hi, Libby. I'm, I'm well. How, how are you holding up these days? Oh, excellent. Um, uh, aside from almost sneezing, it's allergy season. Oh. So, uh, what kind of a reception have you been getting to this motion to defund the police? Um, uh, uh, a lot. <laughs> and, um, they're, they're very polarized views. Um, there are people, I mean, obviously, like Mike McCormick, who, who has a job to do, where he, uh, you know, he, he he doesn't want the status quo to change, and 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 you know, with all due respect to him, that that's his job. Um, there are people who hear the word defund, and it, it is confusing, um, and may not know exactly what that means or what the effects are. Uh, and then there are other. There, there are many voices who will cr- be critical of our motion, frankly, just to be very candid with you, who think it doesn't go anywhere far enough uh, and would like to see uh, the uh, the police abolished. Um, so uh, I can tell you that it is, uh, I think, by nature controversial. It is a difficult debate. But, I, but, I, but despite everything I just said, uh, I think it's absolutely necessary. And it's one that should have happened, not not just in response to uh, you know the movement that's happening now, but frankly, uh, years ago. And I'm glad that we're having it. Uh, you're talking about a 10% cut. Uh, Mike McCormick yeah. said, oh, he thinks that uh, the 10% number is pretty arbitrary. And, you know, I put it to him that the one or one of the areas where police get most criticism is how they handle uh, people in mental health crisis. And yeah. he said, we need, why not a special response unit where you have one civilian who is trained in that and, and a cop who is also trained, but uh, them working together. Is that a good idea or a bad, a bad one? Well, I mean, the, the reality, the reality is, again, you know, I, I, his job uh, is to lobby to make sure that, 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 that there's more funds and, and more people uh, within his membership. And I, I, that's his job. 
there are reasonable questions being asked uh, about you know whether or not um, the police, everything that the police are tasked to do, if really they are the best uh, suited and and if they have the expertise to deal with every responsibility they have. Like for example, um, there are there are there are instances where there is a distress call due to mental health. And uh, and we've just seen this happen time and time again, where if an officer shows up without any ill intention, but just they show up, or in, in cases recently, we've seen eight officers show up uh, at the door uh, in uniform with that power dynamic. They've got a gun. Uh, it, it by, by that alone can escalate a situation where uh, somebody with expertise within mental health who can help de-escalate the situation would be more helpful without an officer there. Um, there are examples where we have a youth at risk uh, who would be better served by a youth worker than, uh, than, than a uniformed police officer. Again, without any disrespect to the police, it just may not be the right, the right uh, job in that context. And these are reasonable questions that we should be asking. It, the reality at, at Toronto Council is the Toronto Council uh, funds, uh, we're tasked to fund the police, but we're not allowed by provincial statute to actually have direct oversight over their budgets, which is bizarre. It's a bad governance model. It's not accountable. And moreover, uh, uh, about a quarter of the entire budget goes to the police. Every year, the mayor and council asks every other area of the city, child services, all the, all the different areas, uh, 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 including, you know, supporting vulnerable people in racialized communities and people with mental health and youth and et cetera, to cut and find efficiencies, the police budget continues to balloon. And even the number of cops that have been hired have, has not been proportionate to the money that that budget keeps receiving. I think it's reasonable to ask why. And it's reasonable to ask that they also look for ways uh, to um, to, to have money reallocated to services that are currently underfunded and maybe even more suited to the job. And let, so if we just step away from the rhetoric and the emotion and just just get real about this, I think I think we can have a thoughtful debate. Okay, hang on, Josh. I want to take a couple of calls, but also to make the point, uh, what the police argue is that uh, per capita, they don't have as many officers as they used to. The population is bigger and they have been quote, modernizing. That was uh, the brief for the outgoing chief, Mark Saunders, and and having more civilians in place. But let's hear from a couple of listeners. We've got Simone in Parkdale. Hello, Simone. Hi there. Um, even if you, if people other than the police go to distress calls, um, we, you know, we always hear that domestic calls can be with some of the most dangerous calls. Nobody's going to go to these calls without the police. Um, so you're still going to need the police. So I can't see why you want to defund the police when the money's still needed. Uh, they're not going to go there alone and uh, they're, because they're a dangerous situation, so they're going to want to have a backup. Okay, I'm going to let Josh respond to Thank that. You. Yeah, no, that, 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 that response, I think, is really natural, and I appreciate it because we've never, we've, we've never known another alternative model, right? So, so I understand why, why one would say that. Uh, the reality is that, that alternatives to policing when it comes to mental health distress calls are becoming more and more common. There's a model in, uh, I believe it's in Eugene, Oregon, that's uh, gathered a lot of attention recently, where um, uh, roughly, I, I believe it's between 15 and 20 percent of the calls now go to experts who can, uh, who, can, who can better address those calls than police. 
This in no way, and I know that there are people who are disparaging the police. There are good police, of course. I want them supported for the, for the work that they're meant to do. But it's also reasonable to say that there is systemic racism, that we have to acknowledge that, that we have to acknowledge that there may be better ways to do things the way that we've always done them. And why should we be afraid to ask those questions? Okay, let's take another call. Kathy in Etobicoke. Hello, Kathy. Hello there. Um, I would just like to say that um, body body cameras, absolutely. It will protect both both people and the police officers. Defunding the police department is an irresponsible uh, um, approach to anything. Um, anyone that has not worked with the mental health society or in policing has absolutely no business trying to make a decision on defunding without a mature look at both. And I can say that because I have done both. I am in favor of training more people um, and have training for every, every aspect of the police department. They are overextended in a lot of areas, but for heaven's sakes, get rid of this nonsense. Oh, cut the fund, cut the fund. No, that's not the right attitude. Okay. The right attitude has to be look at things when you know what you're talking about. Thank you very kindly for taking my comment. Okay, Kathy, thanks for that. Well, uh, Kathy says she's worked in those areas. Um, I th- I think, Josh, uh, you know, we're also starting to run out of time. I think uh, that yes. a lot of people uh, think that, that uh, the whole idea is just dangerous and that a lot of uh, the types of calls that you're talking about are, are yeah. actually dangerous calls. And- I, I hear that. I hear that. By the way, you know, I know, I know, listen, we all, we all, we all uh, have, have opinions that, uh, that, uh, you know, we, we've never really explored in Toronto. Uh, alternatives to policing when it comes to, uh, you know, types of services that we're discussing. And, um, and I know when, when we're having this kind of conversation, uh, one's mind goes to, well, what, what am I going to do if my house gets burgled or, you know, or, or whatever it might be if we need the police? And I get why people uh, might have that opinion. What my motion does, though, is it explores, I think, reasonable questions about are there better ways to do this? Are there better ways to address uh, people with whether it be mental health, uh, they're in distress, they're racialized, uh, they have addiction, they're on the streets. And, um, and moreover, every year, we seem to be fine with the debate about removing, you know, making cuts or finding efficiencies on any other subject, right? Any other service, any other thing. In fact, there's, there's demands of us to be fiscally responsible and do that. What, the police budget shouldn't just be the one place that keeps getting more and more and more and more when everything gets less. Let's, we need to be realistic about the money we have and where it's best invested. And I think we need to have this conversation. Uh, uh, I know that there are some people who don't want to have it, but at the end of the day, as long as the conversation ends up with the right results, then we should feel comfortable with that. And that's why my motion is written in a way that, uh, that includes the police and that includes uh, city staff directly in that conversation. It's Josh, not just an arbitrary, like, cut, cut, and I don't care what it is. Josh, I've it's got about, to wrap let's you. look at what we can and where we go. Okay, Josh, um, we are having the conversation, and thank you very much for that. And uh, we're running late for the news, so thanks very don't much. <laughs> and pleasure. that's all the time we have for today.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.